This is the Instant Speed Podcast brought to you by FabDB.net, your premier source for deck building tools, collection management, and simulated booster drafting. Upgrade your account at FabDB.net to get access to all of the features and bring your game to the next level. This is episode 14, friends. And before we get to our guest, Kirk Bushell, who is the owner and director of Card Tech. Yes, the entity that is responsible for WraithTimes.com and FabDB.net will be on the podcast to show us his latest project regarding flesh and blood. But we got to get to the facts first, friends. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, indeed. When uh, at the time of the recording of this, it is uh, December 21st, 2021. Episode 14, Instant Speed. It's so nice to have you guys here. And, uh, well, we're going to get to the, the, the facts as they are. That's that there's a new hero. A brand new hero has been revealed from the Everfest set that's coming out at the beginning of February 2022. That would be Valda Brightaxe, a guardian. Yes, we see the young version of Valda Brightaxe bringing out some of those amazing new guardian pieces. And uh, some people have kind of been playtesting with this with the existing cards. Very, very cool card. And there's a supporting card that is also part of it called Life of the Party. Life of the Party is a new card as well. Uh, lots of cool stuff, especially with Crazy Brew. So take a look at this one. Life of the Party, Valda Brightaxe are the next two interesting little pieces that we're going to eventually fit into all the other cool stuff that we're getting from Everfest that releases on February 4th, 2022. All right, how about January Armory Kits? That's where we got Valda. That's where we got Life of the Party. Take a look at these. Now, these are some snazzy pieces coming through for you regarding uh, what is up for grabs at uh, in the January, which is, you know, in reality, uh, January is kind of a down month for a lot of people, but look at how festive these prizes are. You get some Life of the Party cards, some Valdas, and that wicked cool playmat, friends. Take a look at that one right there. So that is what's up for grabs in the January Armory kits. And I do have some bad news, friends. That would be that it has been, uh, the decision has been made regarding the calling Utrecht. It is not happening. It has been canceled. Of course, COVID is just continuously, uh, you know, pumping the brakes on uh, everybody's plans. And the calling Utrecht is the latest casualty regarding that, uh, uh, you know, uh, in terms of just how we're gonna deal with events moving forward. And that is the latest on the chopping block. So no calling Utrecht. Uh, you can go to fabtcg.com for all the information regarding that, if you need refunds or whatever. All right. Our guest for the show today is Kirk Bushel. And like I mentioned, the uh, the basically the head honcho at Card Tech, which is responsible for Wraith times.com as well as fabdb.net our main sponsor here on the podcast but he is on the show because he wants to show you his latest project so without further ado friends here is kurt bushel kurt i said kurt i meant kirk captain kirk kirk bushel joins us on the instant speed podcast the Instant Speed Podcast is excited to welcome the architect behind some of the most widely relied upon digital tools and sources for flesh and blood. He's the owner and director of Card Tech, uh, and you might know Card Tech for some of the tentacles that it branches out with, such as FabDB.net, sponsor of this podcast, as well as WrathTimes.com. Welcome, Kirk Bushell. Welcome to the show, my friend. 
Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Glad to have a chat with you. Yeah, well, I mean, we've spoken a little bit before privately. Obviously, um, you know, uh, FabDB is a huge backer of this podcast and has been very helpful. Uh, but I mean, the, the help that FabDB offers to me specifically it goes beyond just, you know, being able to support the podcast. Obviously, I rely on FabDB, and this is not like an ad. I'm not saying this because, <laughs> because you're here. I'm not trying to sell anything. All I'm saying is that, honestly, FabDB is something that I have dug into for many, many hours for, um, you know, theory crafting, test building, looking up uh, statistics and, and analysis and, and such like that. And we're going to dive a little bit more into that later on, especially talking also about Wrath Times. But we want to know about Kirk, about who you are specifically, because a lot of people know your products or what you have put out there, but they might not know who you are specifically. So give us a little bit of the origin story of Kirk. Yeah, well, firstly, uh, I'm an aging white male, uh, <laughs> approaching middle age very quickly, uh, and that might seem like a moot point, but actually that has spurred me on to work harder than I would have, say, in my 20s, um, uh, and has, for some reason, acted as a catalyst for a lot of uh, ambitious projects, uh, and, you know, sort of including FabD, Cartech, Wrath Times, and some other things, uh, but also, you know, sort of other projects uh, off the side as well, so yeah, I'm trying to work on... Um, a browser-based game, uh, space-based sort of uh, strategy game, though so it is a low-priority thing. But, um, yeah, interestingly, that sort of, I think around about the age of 35, yeah, I'm, I'm 38. Oh, no, no, shit, 39 now. Just turned 39 a couple weeks ago. Um, Happy birthday. Happy uh, yeah, birthday. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so that has had this sort of strange sort of catalyst effect in regards to sort of getting me to, you know, basically get my ass moving and, and start, you know, sort of achieving things. Um, and that's not to say I haven't done previously. You know, I've, I've got a fairly successful career behind me, having worked in uh, programming, web, and application development for the last uh, 21 years. Um, so there's, there's that as well. But, you know, and, and this, interestingly, goes goes way back to sort of when I was, you know, eight years old when uh, my dad bought a Commodore 64. And I, I wouldn't say I was programming at the time. I was copying hex codes at the age of eight from a magazine into um, the Commodore 64 to try and run these games that they sort of provided free with the magazine. And so I would spend hours copying these hex codes, which are effectively, um, I think it was either six or eight character codes. So sort of letters and numbers, you just sort of copy in. Uh, and then once it's ready, you run the program. Uh, and if I copied it all in 100% accurately, it would work. If it didn't work, I was like, all right, well, I'll go do something else today. <laughs> uh, but I also didn't possess the knowledge and know how to actually save those things. So I couldn't I couldn't save what I'd just done to sort of run it later. I, you know, I didn't have any discs or cartridges or anything I could save it onto. So that's sort of where it started. Um, and then in my teens, you know, I was doing a lot of gaming and stuff and decided, I, I can't remember exactly how it started, but I just started building websites for <clears throat> the clans and the guilds that I was a part of to kind of support the, uh, support the, the community that I was with and then also just to support my gaming habit as well. Uh, and then at some point, my mom was like, you're not doing anything, you're just gaming. And so I sort of had to decide, what the hell am I going to do with my life? And it just so happened that I, you know, I, I effectively sort of stumbled onto my career by sort of realizing that I quite actually liked doing programming and web development um, and then sort of used that as the, as the kickoff point. So, but then the next sort of five to 10 years are a bit of a, bit of a muck. I worked for some very shady people, which I didn't realize at the time. Um, in fact, Mark Zuckerberg, just say it. It was Mark Zuckerberg. Was it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no. It was Mark Zuckerberg. I'd probably be a very rich, very rich man at this point <laughs> in my life. Um, no, it, it's just, yeah, I don't know what it was about web development in the 90s, but um, 90s, early 2000s. But I think there were a lot of people that were trying to 
you know, sort of pull over the wool, the wool over people's eyes, uh, including those that were working for them. And so I just had a you know, few bad experiences. So it took me a, a good 10 years before I sort of started having some decent um, jobs that I was working through and starting to work with people that, you know, took some interest in my development in my career. Um, you know, in particular, there's one guy that I worked with at Westfield who really showed me the ropes in regards to sort of more advanced programming techniques and sort of good tooling and stuff. And so that was pretty interesting. Um, and then, yeah, and then fast forward to 2019, you know, sort of flesh and blood came along. And so the uh, marriage of, you know, 20 years of experience in uh, web development followed with my passion in gaming. Um, and you can see the flesh and blood behind me, but behind me, that whole cupboard is full of all sorts of games. Uh, and then the stuff over to my left as well, a lot of miniatures and that sort of thing. So when Fashion Blood came out, it was, it's one of those things that some of my friends have joked about, you know, it's like when I get really into something, I had to build a website for it. And it was, it was no different for Flesh and Blood. Um, so, you know, in November 2019, I launched uh, FabDB, which was basically just a card browser. Um, and then I built the um, very basic collection manager at the time. Uh, and then I really started getting into the game and then realized I need a deck builder. And then I'm like, oh, I don't really want to start going through all my cards to test card draw. So then I built the deck tester. So, you know, it's, it's been a very sort of natural and organic approach to building FabDB and sort of the tools that I wanted to use. Um, and since then, you know, two years on, it's gone through quite a few um, evolutionary steps, particularly the deck builder, which uh, has been very difficult to get right, actually. And I, I wouldn't be so egotistical to claim that it's still right yet. I still think it's got a fair bit of work to go, um, you know, the, the biggest... I think pain point for a lot of people in the deck builder is actually the search function. You know, there's a lot of search functions that are available on the card browser that isn't available to the deck tester. And that's just because I've had a really hard time trying to fit it into the UI and make the UX still really nice. Um, so I, I've, I think I actually need a, a fresh look at how I can solve that problem uh, and get there. And then, yeah, and then uh, earlier this year, we launched the Raft Times with uh, Alex Truell, who's the editor, manages all the content there. Um, you know, just about to launch an, another product, which we'll talk about later. Um, and then I've got some other things I want to work on. So, yeah, so, yeah you're I'm definitely a busy guy. And and I, I forgot which who it was. I think that, the, it, I mean, like the first name that comes to mind is George Lucas, obviously, because I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. But the, the fact is, I think that when people were discussing about how many times he's changed Star Wars movies over the past year, like the original trilogy, how many redo, you know, redos and whatever. And I think the quote that uh, I don't know if it was attributed to him or if he was quoting someone else, but he said that a, a movie is never complete. It's just abandoned. So, you know, just kind of, oh, yeah, just to kind of, uh, you know, it, it was him essentially addressing the fact that he keeps going back to the original trilogy and changing things and adding things and, and amending things and whatever. And, and people were criticizing him. It's like, leave it alone. It's a masterpiece. And, you know, yeah. he's like, that's my movie. Like it's, it's not a masterpiece until I say it is. And the quote, I believe, again, I don't know if it was him, making this up or if he was quoting another director but his the words that he mentioned were that you know a movie is never complete it's only abandoned and i feel like that's kind of where you're at with fab db because you're saying that you know like a lot of people use this tool uh guaranteed that 95 percent of the people who are listening to this so all seven of you i'm just joking but <laughs> <laughs> whoever's listening to this frankly you have used in in you know most likelihood fabdb.net to either submit a deck list to use on TTS, uh, Tabletop Simulator, or to, you know, uh, just theorycraft and build. Um, but Ooh. I'm most fascinated by the fact that you, this all came from your own interest of not just flesh and blood, obviously, but you, you did this for yourself. Was this ever meant from the get-go to be something that everybody was going to eventually use? Or was this more so just a, pro a project for yourself to just 
you know, a, a, I don't say hobby, you know, because obviously this is something that you do professionally, but obviously this is something that you did primarily for your own benefit, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I got into, I still regret not getting into Flesh and Blood when it launched, which was a month earlier. I was a month late on that. Um, funny about it. But the reason for that is because, sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> There was a lot of stuff going around uh, on and around the community, and I wish I'd heard about it a year earlier, which is when they sent out the um, the Slingshot Underground promo- promotional cards, the Iron Rock um, artist proofs, which I was fortunate enough to get a hold of one. But, you know, I, I hear and, and uh, acknowledge the people sort of, you know, are a bit disappointed that they haven't heard about the game earlier. So even for me, even though I got in quite early, um, I, I wish I'd got in earlier. But it took me two weeks from the time I played my first game until I had the card browser ready to go um, for, for FabDB. But yeah, it was it was all about supporting what I wanted to do. Uh, and then, you know, if others wanted to utilize that and it had some value to them, then, then all the better. Um, and it grew relatively quickly from about December to February so of 2019, 2020, and getting that going. Um, but I think it clicked for me that the project really had legs sort of towards, uh, I think it was August 2020 when Rudy started talking about um, Flesh and Blood. Uh, and then not long after, I think it was October or November 2020 is when Channel Fireball started talking about it. Uh, and so there's some fairly big spikes in the traffic and user base uh, around this time. So uh, that's where I was like, all right, I need to do I need to do more, basically. And I was already pretty much working on that project full-time at that point. Um, but um, you know, December 2019, I launched the Patreon, but August and October 2020 is when things really started taking off. Um, and it's when I started to get uh, quite excited about it as a prospect of being able to do it full-time myself. So when I say that, you know, I sort of work on it full-time currently, um, but it's full-time as a second job. You know, I've got, I've got a day job that I work about 10 hours a day. Uh, and then, you know, I try and do four to five hours a night on the card tech solutions. Um, and so when I say move to it full-time, I mean sort of moving away from my uh, day job to do that. So, you know, the... The, the plan from the start, actually, for FabDB has always been to try and, you know, it, it's actually very much had a mission statement. That is to effectively elevate the sort of tooling and quality you can expect from these sorts of tools uh, sort of across the board. So, you know, I sort of want FabD to sort of act as a linchpin and as a target for sort of other developers that might be building a similar sort of thing for other games. Uh, you know, and there's new TCGs and stuff coming out all the time. So, and I've, I've had, I've actually had people... Uh, game developers come to me and said, hey, would you mind sort of building this for our game, uh, for our TCG? Uh, and as much as I appreciate that sort of outreach from them, <clears throat> uh, unfortunately, I don't have the time to, to kind of do those sorts of things unless, unless they're paying me, which, you know, they're not not always willing to do. So um, if I can at least sort of improve the quality um, of what users can expect uh, for these sort of tools, then hopefully other developers sort of use that as a as a target and then build that for those communities and that sort of thing. And, and that would be, in my opinion, sort of mission successful once once it gets to that point. But the fact that it's starting to have a sort of cross-pollination effect for other TCGs who have, people have sort of heard of Flesh and Blood, see how it's doing things, find the tooling available for it, and then want to have that tooling available for their games uh, is quite, um, you know, sort of motivating, inspiring to me and also quite humbling as well. It's it's a really nice feeling to say that it's, it's to see that it's got that sort of impact. It's a very ambitious project to, to, to undertake, uh, you know, because he, obviously getting in at relatively the ground floor, like you said, you got there a little bit late to your own 
what you would have liked. I mean, I got in at Monarch yeah. Unlimited, so I'm well, well beyond, you know, trust me, I would have loved to have gotten in at, you know, Alpha Wraith and have a box yeah. just sitting by that I can kind of sit on and, you know, and gawk at. But at the end of the day, the <laughs> fact is, it's like, it, it, you know, we all have uh, our entry points and such, and I can confidently say that my me myself the first place i went to i mean i think it's the just the natural progression of players to any particular game is the first thing they want to do is obviously get the intro to the game watch the video learn about it you know you'll, you'll hear it from other people that was my experience at least i have um an immense sort of uh background in card games so getting into a game is not as daunting for myself as it may be for somebody else who's never played one i remember the first card yeah. game i ever played um just the the process before going out to purchase product, you know, being a a teenager, you know, 12, 13 years old, uh, not having that much money to commit 20 bucks to card games, even $20 was a big deal for me. So I did all the, yeah, the research. These days, I didn't have internet back then to rely on and look up stuff. So I called all my friends and I called card stores and I asked questions and whatnot. But for now, after that initial, okay, I need a tutorial video, people want to go ahead and and once they've committed to it, they need they want resources to know that what they're getting, um, yes. you know, what they're investing in is is going to come back. You know, they're not wasting their money. You know, so a tool yeah. like FabDB, I think, is kind of like the next the next step for players who have been introduced to the game. They have their starter decks. Maybe they played a, a, a couple games, but now they want to they want to skip the line of and like the toil and and frustration of the deck building process, the creativity, you know, the trial and error that can be, yes. it could time consuming. It could be frustrating, but it's expensive, especially in a paper digital mm -hmm. uh, paper format, even in the digital format where you're wasting re in-game resources to try stuff out. So something like this, I think is always the next step from beginner to average moderate player. And, um, you know, the tools that you have on this site go beyond just collection management, right? And, uh, and yeah. deck building like theory crafting. What else yeah. does FabDB offer in terms of, you know, just beyond the surface value? Like you scratch beyond the first layer. What else can you get out of this site? Yep. Yeah. So first things first is sort of the way I've built the business model around FabDB is that uh, it sort of locks things behind um, sort of payment gateways depending on the sort of value you're looking to get out of your game. So if you're a casual player and you just want to sort of build some decks and sort of muck around, uh, pretty much all the tools you'll want from FabDB is free. Um, for those who sort of want to up their game a little bit more or want to make things a little bit easier for them or just want some sort of nice quality of life features, you know, we have the supporter level at three bucks a month, uh, which gives you access to uh, the deck tester, which is actually one of my favorite features that it was to build uh, just because it's super slick. Um, not the original one. The original one was a bit eh. <laughs> it worked, but it was a bit a bit bland. Uh, the second one, though, the, the new one there now for um, desktop and uh, Mac is um, really quite a slick experience. Um, you know, so if you if you're if you're a patron and you haven't checked it out, please check it out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you select your cards from your deck that you want to sort of sideboard and then go into um, using the deck tester. So there's the deck tester. Um, there's also the sealed format. So th there's a draft um, a draft mode there, but. It's not a true draft mode, and it's something I'm probably a little bit embarrassed about, actually. Uh, it really needs, for it to be a proper draft mode, is to have uh, net, network communication between so multiple players so that you can sort of pick the, play, the cards that you want. Um, that's definitely on the roadmap, something I want to do, but uh, sealed and team sealed definitely works as, as 
uh, as is. So the sealed um, experience, um, you know, gives you six packs that you can build your packs that you can build your um, your deck around. So you open the six packs, and then uh, when you go to the deck builder from that, uh, it limits the card pool to just those packs that you've opened. Uh, and then for the team sealed, which is sort of a relatively new format that came out, I think during this tournament season. Um, it allows you and uh, up to two other players. Uh, so basically you sort of start the team sealed format and then you sh um, share that link with some of your friends that you want to play with. Um, and then you basically just talk together, pick the cards that you want to pick and then build the decks you want to build through the deck builder. Um, so it's a really, really um, cool, interesting tool. Uh, but like I said, the draft is a little bit, a little bit naff, you know, I sort of need to work on that. Uh, there's so a few other things around there as well. That's probably not as uh, impressive, you know, things like the avatars, uh, things like um, <clears throat> struggling to think now, but there's a few other features there as well that are just for uh, just for patrons. Um, I should note also that the the sealed feature is limited to majestic um, patrons, and the team sealed is restricted to legendary patrons. Um, you know, there again, so it's 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 all about where are you sort of aiming for, sort of in the competitive scene. If you're not really interested in the competitive scene, then pretty much everything's free for you. But if you want to have sort of really good uh, interesting quality of life features that help support your competitive play um, then so the various tiers are for, for that so um, but yeah and then also you know we've also got the raft times uh, patronage support as well which is basically an extra five bucks on each of the tiers for if you want sort of raft times uh, pro series article access as well which I have uh, <laughs> definitely uh, dove into I, I'm uh, I have the max level accounts on on both FabDB and Wrath Times and preparing for uh, the Nationals in Orlando I was at the airport I go super early all the time and I was there just sitting in the Me too. yeah I, I have had too many opportunities in my life to miss flights I'm not doing that <laughs> that's right <laughs> no thank you I and not especially not for doing you know go flying to Orlando uh for the Flesh and Blood National Championships for the USA I was like I'm never missing this flight like I, I would have shown up the day before and just slept there but that's uh, <laughs> round upon these days either way uh that said the wrathtimes.com like the premium accounts and and having access to the pro series articles mm -hmm. was exceptionally helpful um that the resources that you get for uh for the raftimes.com like the pro series the articles that you're you're gonna read there are stuff like that are, are from past champions like people like tyler horsebull will discuss yeah. the strategies surrounding how to approach um, you know, prism gameplay, how to approach a major tournament. You know, uh, yeah. there was like a three or four part series about breaking down Oldham and how to build Oldham, how to play it, etc. What yeah, I want to, I think he's it, a really good player as well. He's a top eight player. That it's 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 a very very great uh, website, and the best part about it was that I didn't have to sit there and scroll on my phone because there's a there um all the articles are narrated. And done so very yeah. well. It's not like somebody oh, with an annoying. Correct you there. All the pro series articles are narrated. Only some of the basic articles are narrated. Right. No, you're right. Uh, yeah, that's. It's, but uh, you know, for somebody who doesn't want to listen to my, you know, uh, annoying voice sometimes, hearing someone else read the article to me while I'm just sitting in the, in the, you know, the uh, at the gate of a of an airport, like it was exceptionally uh, worthwhile mm. for me because it prepared me for these events, not necessarily just as a player, but as a, as a broadcaster or whatever, like the insights on there are, are exceptional. And I'm curious when it comes to, you know, what is like the kind of, you mentioned the mission statement of what FabDB is and how you also want it to kind of be the benchmark for other card games and how they have collection management and deck building tools. But what about Wraith Times? What is the mission statement for that particular 
website. What is what are you what are you looking to get out of that particular uh, outlet? Um, the the mission actually for the Wrath Times is very different. Um, the goal has been. I mean, Wrath Times was born out of sort of the article content that was um, published on FabDB. Uh, FabDB after sort of you know, and Alex Joel was sort of writing for me on FabDB for you know, pennies because uh, I couldn't afford much back then, but he was, you know, happy to help. Um, and, and a few others as well. Uh, I think Stephen Dunn also did maybe an article too uh, on there as well. Um, but, you know, Rat Homes were really actually born out of the article content on FabDB because I came to the conclusion that it just didn't really work. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd had some uh, end users on FabDB go, this is great, you know, I come to FabDB, um, I've got everything I want right here. Uh, but the problem was FabDB... If I put everything on FabDB, it would become this, this monolith uh, application, which um, over time just gets more and more difficult to to utilize. And also in the future, like, you know, should I want to sell one of these things? Um, if it's all lumped together, it makes it a more difficult sell than if they're, if they're separated. Um, by the way, just to say to your listeners, I'm not interested in selling the project anytime soon. Uh, I, just, <laughs> I, I love working on it. You know, it's a lot of fun. I actually really enjoy working with the community. Um, you know, it's a very positive sort of uh, experience for me, and it's very fulfilling as well. So there's, there's just no no desire to sell yeah, it. Yeah, spend your money on NFTs or something else. Uh, this ain't for sale. Yeah, no, no, no offers, please. Although I have had offers, and I have had people want to sort of invest in it. So, but I'm not interested. So, um, <clears throat> so you know, the article content was born out of that, and um, so you know, sort of January 2021, I spoke to Alex. I said, "Look, I've got this idea. Would you want to be the, the editor for that?" And so, <laughs> there's a little bit of back and forth there. I you know I definitely had to sell him on the project. Uh, but once he sort of realized, I think what I wanted to do, he was he was he was all in, and he's done. He's just done an amazing job. Like he's, you know, part of the reason why the content is so good on Wrath Times is because of Alex's input. Uh, he has a great grasp on the English language, uh, you know, a great grasp on grammar. Um, he's sort of learning sort of the editing tools and stuff as well. So he's just he just does a really good job. Um, but the mission statement is actually about the authors. Um, I wanted to, you know, Fabi B didn't really have the potential to scale uh, in terms of revenue. Uh, on article content like the Rat Times could, so with its own with its own branding, uh, its own subscription uh, model. Which, uh, by the way, for everyone listening, um, Rat Times and FabDB as subscriptions will be separated in the future. So I know there have been a couple of users that aren't too happy about having to pay for FabDB while getting Rat Times. Uh, that's just because it's through the, the Patreon the Patreon page. But uh, in the future, you'll be able to do Rat Times separately. Um, but the whole point of Rat Times actually is to reward the community and to reward the authors and that sort of thing. So. You know, people who the, the pro series article content you know pays pays quite highly. It pays eighty five dollars an article, uh, and that's in part to reward or provide an additional financial incentive and reward for those that are doing really well in the tournament scene. Uh, and you know, I want to make that higher. Like, I'd really like to make that you know a solid payout for everybody that's in, involved. So when we first started the Wrath Times, um, I was paying I think twenty dollars an article. $25 an article. When I first started on FabDB, it was five bucks because that's all I could afford. So, so as the projects have grown, you know, so FabDB has funded the Rath Times, now Rath, teams, uh, Rath Times funds itself. But the goal there really is to, you know, if an author wants to write three articles a week um, and they're running really good content, I want to be able to support that for them. You know, I want to be able to, uh, you know, pay them, you know, I want to be able to pay everybody, you know, you know $100, $100, $200 an article. Um, but in order to do that, you know, obviously needs the support from the community. So um, where it's sitting at the moment is, I think, probably the, the most I, I can pay at the moment. But um, as uh, Flesh and Blood continues to grow, hopefully that just keeps going up and up and up. Um, at the moment, we have 25 uh, authors on the roster. Um, the the uh, vast majority of them are actually sort of top eight uh, placement uh, players. Uh, and in fact, that's a requirement if you want to write the Pro Series articles, which pays more than the basic articles. Um, so, you know, we're very, really 
very proud about it. You know, Alex and I had a, a sort of a, a drink, uh, you know, proverbial drink, not not a real one, because um, we we can't uh, meet up. He's over on the in the states as well. Um, so you know, it's it's been, it's been a good year. Um, uh, we pretty much smashed all of our goals for the rough times, but you know, again, that mission statement has all been always been about um, supporting the community and supporting the the authors that write for us more so than anything else. Now, my uh, my ProQuest top eight, does that qualify me as a, <laughs> as a potential? I, I'm trying to milk this one little itty bitty, you know, speck of, of success that I've ever had from a, a, a card game perspective. I'm not a, a competitive player, but I did do the ProQuest and did top eight. And I was like, yes, like, this is amazing. I'm just wondering if that if I, if I squeak in with my silly insights and analytical mind, uh, I, I'm pretty good at similes and other anecdotes of, of nonsense. But I'm just saying. You might not get like the best in-depth content, but I'll make it entertaining <laughs> at the very least. I'm just I'm just glad to hear that I've I've kind of crossed over into some sort of uh, legitimacy to that degree. Um, but your your <laughs> roster of of people that write for for eight times is is quite impressive. And like I mentioned, not just you know past champions, but like you said, the fact that there's an actual you know, entry level of success that you need to have in order for you to be featured as a quote unquote pro series, because anybody can talk about why Briar is, is good, but why not get the opinion of the people who are actually playing it, beating it or be playing as it beating that particular deck or whatnot. I mean, that's just one example, but, um, for everybody listening, I, I got to say, like part of the biggest issue I find about um, card game related media is that everyone has an opinion. But in yeah. terms of being able to sort out and weed out what opinions are just noise and what opinions that you can rely on and trust, not just from the perspective that those people are, are well articulated and can present their ideas in a good way, but the fact that yeah. they come with experience and wisdom in that particular field and um that's good to know that there's an actual kind of level of uh, i say legitimacy but it, you know um uh, reliability of the content being <clears throat> being accurate being relevant being um poignant to what it's trying to convey yeah, yeah i think um the top eight requirement um I don't want to say it weeds out bad players because you know there's a lot of players that unfortunately sort of just miss out on the, on the top eight on a, on a fairly regular basis, um, and they're you know they're really good players. So let's not say that, but it, it acts as a very easy sort of gateway for us to um, quantify sort of their or qualify, I should say, <clears throat> qualify their opinion on the subject matter. Um, but it's quite a tricky one actually because you can have really good players that actually can't write for shit you know they, they can't they can't write articles um and so unfortunately um there's we've had a couple of authors like that you know they're really good players but the amount of work that's required on our end from an editing perspective to kind of get their content up to par just make, ensures that their um their input isn't isn't as worthwhile unfortunately even though they may have some good things to say uh, because it takes so long to it takes so long to edit and, and sort of fix up um but the, i'm happy to say the vast majority of our authors are, are not like that um you know i mean drew cordell i think is one of the most active authors not just for the rough times but sort of across the flesh and blood stage he writes for many different um publications um uh so you know he's he's just an awesome writer and so i think there's sort of this, this trifecta that you require uh, to write pro series articles one is you have to be a good player you have to have at least you know a top, you have to have at least one top eight place top eight placement sort of from skirmish and above uh in in that so it doesn't have to be sort of national level uh but obviously if you've topped eight uh, national then you know we're now starting to talk about sort of creme de la creme of the, of the player base. Um, you have to be able to write 
good content, you know, sort of have good ideas and sort of how to communicate those ideas. And then three, you've got to have some sort of confidence and charisma to go along with that as well, because if you write drearily and, you know, kind of quite boringly, then, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't read well. So, uh, and that's partly what Alex is for. So to kind of, you know, lift those uh, articles up to make them more readable and digestible and, you know, and entertaining to read. And then you've got, you know, Mark Chamberlain who does our narrations, which uh, I remember when Mark first reached out to me regarding narrations, I was like, I wasn't fully convinced, but I thought, oh, yeah, we'll give it a go because it's another expense that we have to you know, put out for the articles. Uh, but it's turned out to be actually really good, a really nice feature. And also, it's one of those things that um, differentiates Wrath Times from any other publication, uh, at least written publication, in the sense that you know, no one else is doing uh, narrations. It's so um, good. It's so, yeah, it's so, so good. Uh, you know, just wa- like, again, I'm going to go back to the same example of like walking through the terminal, uh, going from yeah. security to the gate, just having that yeah, on. A good voice. Like, he's just great. He's just great for it. So, right. Um, and we've got other narrators who are interested in doing it as well, but um, we don't have the funds to have multiple narrators on the staff at the moment. So Mark's our, our go-to person at the moment. Um, it'd be actually really good to get a female voice on there as well uh, from time to time, just kind of, um, you know, shift things around a bit. Um and get some more, you know, if anyone out there is interested in writing law, um, I think I'm the only one who's written a fan fiction story on the Wrath Times. So if you're interested in doing that, um, reach out to us. We'd love to have more on the Wrath Times for that as well. Shoot for the moon, man. Go for like Samuel L. Jackson to, <laughs> yeah, I don't to think like narrate one of these. At this point. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> I think like it would be terrible to have him on the podcast because the amount of bleeping of the F word that we'd have to do for him there is, uh, is all good and, and well. But I mean, I'd be all aboard having Sam Jackson, you know, calling Katsu a bad <laughs> mother effer, you know, like I think that'd be pretty damn cool. Um, uh, Mark Chamberlain's our Samuel Jackson for the time being. <laughs> you should do it just for fun. Just for fun, ask him to, you know, do an article with an impression <laughs> of, you know, or just have like a, a Morgan Freeman impression or something along those lines. I mean, that would be, that would be it would be what ideal. Is there anyone, <laughs> is there anyone out there that you're just kind of, maybe that you haven't necessarily approached, but somebody who's kind of like uh, uh, on your radar to, to that you'd love to have contribute to Wraith Times? Oh, yeah, there's heaps. Um, and they don't work with us for a number of reasons. Um, so, you know, it can be um, uh, conflict, conflict of interest. Uh, it can be um, competing arrangements. You know, they're sort of writing for other people. Um, but, yeah, there's a heap of people that... Um, that I'd like to work with, but unfortunately, <clears throat> you can't. You can't get everybody. I mean, you know, one of my goals is basically just to have all the best players, you know, writing for the Raft Times and, and go from there. Um, but fortunately, it doesn't work out that way. So there's at least there's at least five people off the top of my head that I would I'd love to work with. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, we just we just can't get them across the line for whatever reason. So any way that you, like, I mean, um, don't consider this peer pressure or anything. Is any any? Are you willing to sort of shed an, a name? Just oh, I mean, I'd, I'd love to work with Matt Rogers, for example, um, but he's very committed to Channel Fireball. Um, and yeah, and there's multiple reasons for that. You know, he, he was writing for them first. Uh, he also um, is doing, you know, he's got some business arrangements with them. So, you know, I think for him to write for us would be very much a conflict of interest, uh, even though he hasn't he hasn't said as much. Um, so I can't fully understand why he wouldn't do that. But I mean, I mean, yeah, I think Matt Rogers is like the darling child of the Flesh and Blood community. He's, he's an awesome guy. Uh, he works really hard. He's an awesome player. Um, so he just has a lot of sort of really cool insights. So yeah, that's just one person. Um, but well, yeah, unfortunately, just, like I said, it, just, it doesn't work out all the time, unfortunately. In Orlando, <laughs> I will say this. Uh, in Orlando, he, uh, I think when he was done playing in like the Open or one of the Pro Quests or something like that, uh, he was asked to be in the booth uh, to do uh, the color commentary for one of the matches, and he didn't yeah. have a blazer or a jacket, so I lent him mine. So <clears throat> he owes me one. 
So <laughs> I'll pull some strings with uh, <laughs> Matty R, <laughs> as I like to call him. Uh, I don't know. I just I, I, I guaranteed he completely forgot who the hell I am. He's like, oh, yeah, that annoying Canadian guy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but I mean, there's like you said, there's a lot of um, I don't want to say conflict of interest all the time. But people, like you said, are committed to other things. Um, I've there are certain people that I've approached to be on the show, uh, to be on the podcast and say, I can't because I'm exclusively for xyz and it's like it's cool you respect it and you move on and and that's uh, and that's how it goes so uh yeah, look, another, another perfect example is as a group over in europe uh, called the fab five um for those who haven't checked them out definitely check them out you know they write some really cool stuff uh, i think it's a team of about four or five guys that are, that are doing it um i really wanted to get them onto the raft times and then have their own separate special section called the fab five um, where they could just write whatever they wanted uh, and then we paid we paid them for it um, but you know, they had their sort of their own goals and objectives they wanted to achieve with what they were doing. So, you know, it's just another example of, you know, people that I wanted to work with, but you know, just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't make it happen. So, um, right. But it's you not know, always, it, it happens. So it's not always competition. It's, it's coexistence. Right. And that's part of it because oh it's, no it's competition in the content space you're competing for views and <laughs> i'm trying to things, lighten the mood <laughs> i'm trying to make it seem like it's not as cutthroat as it is though i do kind of feel that way uh to a degree where everything uh, you know as somebody who uh, you know <clears throat> is a full-time streamer and content creator a lot of the times every time that you're thinking about it it's like oh this person has x amount of views which are views that i don't have uh especially yeah. in a, um, a medium that is always live like a like a live stream it's hard to actually uh, you know, come to terms with the fact that the people that you may be friendly with, you know, other streamers, other content creators, that if you're on at the same time, you are directly competing with them. It's like having yeah. friends and Seinfeld on at the same time, you know, like eventually you got to choose like pre DVR every time <laughs> Seinfeld for sure. Every time like I, this is a, a whole different discussion, but I, I for one think that Phoebe from Friends is probably the worst character of all time in in any sitcom space. Um, that's a different podcast uh, called PhoebeSucks.com. I'm just joking. Uh, she's a lovely person. Um, all right. That said, FabDB, Wraith Times, all under the umbrella, as it were, of card tech. Um, yes. I just want to know because I'm uh, I was oblivious to this until I actually met you and we spoke for the first time several months ago and um, you kind of given me a little bit of insight into what card tech is and a lot of people out yeah. there know what FabDB is they know what Wraith, Wraith Times is but they don't know what card tech is so tell us a bit about what card tech is you know where that fits in in relation to FabDB and Wraith Times as well as some of the other entities that card tech might be bringing about down the road. Yeah, sure. So um, first, a, a bit of a history lesson. Um, the When FabDB was started, it was sort of the the only thing I was thinking about um, for a while. Uh, but then when sort of Wrath Times came about, um, there's, a, there's these challenges we have at the moment with sort of managing subscriptions because I've sort of opted for the easiest solution, definitely not the cheapest solution, but definitely the easiest solution through using Patreon and then just managing it manually, which, you know, is certainly frustrating for some users and I, I totally get that and I understand that and, and I understand why. Um, sort of managing the subscriptions through, you know, sort of for these two services uh, and eventually other ones in the future, um, it's becoming very fickle and it's also becoming very um, time consuming from sort of just a management perspective. So, you know, anytime someone subscribes on <clears throat> uh, Patreon and becomes a patron, um, you know, I sort of have to update their accounts across FebDB and Rough Times. So whenever someone leaves, I have to do the similar sort of thing. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of membership movement on Patreon. You know, pe people le leaving and going all the time. So 
it takes up a lot of time. And so the reason why I mention that is because there's been uh, a project in my mind for some time to set up uh, my subscription system for two reasons. One, just to sort of automate all of that process. Uh, but also two <clears throat> is to move away from Patreon. Uh, for those that don't know, Patreon is ridiculously expensive. Uh, they take a huge chunk of the revenue you generate. Um, in, in all in all, Patreon plus sort of payment fees and all that sort of stuff ends up, and plus um, exchange fees, ends up being between 20 and 25% of your takings, which is just a huge amount of money. Um, really, really annoying. Um, and so moving away from that to my own subscription system is, um, it hasn't been a top priority because in my opinion, the features and improvements for the services that I provide are a bit more important um, until I get to a point where everything is just you know, really stable or not. I mean, things are relatively stable now, but there's still stuff being worked on. So um, I'm happy to deal with the bullshit of manually sort of managing everything, uh, but then also sort of unfortunately I sort of have to pay a, a fair bit as well. Um, but it's getting to the point now where you know, it just has to happen. So card tech arose initially as sort of a glue um, entity that sort of acts as a parent entity to FabDB and Raft Times and other projects, but also just acts as a sort of central gateway for identity and uh, subscription management, all that sort of stuff. So I mean, I've talked to Alex about this a number of times and things I want to do is like, um, eventually what will happen is your uh, account on FabDB and Raft Times will be merged into one account under CardTech. So uh, when you log in, you'll actually be directed via the CardTech service. Uh, you'll log in there, you'll be able to manage all sorts of stuff. But uh, more importantly, your login just be redirected instantly back to wherever you came from. Um, but you know, if you want to manage a subscription, you can do that. But uh, you know, alternatively, <clears throat> and more importantly, um, is I can do <clears throat> some really cool things with that uh, my subscription system. First is, uh, and as you know, some users, as mentioned before, don't like um, you know, FabDB and Raft Times would be separate subscriptions. It wouldn't be a joint um, sort of additional sub for. Uh, for Wrath Times, uh, and then you know, for other projects, the future be able to do that as well. So it gives you, it gives the end users more granular control in regards to their subscription management and payments and that sort of stuff. Uh, but also, it just opens up these doors of things that I can't do currently. So you know, for example, if you sign up to FabDB and the Wrath Times, you get you get a discount. Or maybe you want to gift a subscription to someone, which I had, you know, just the other day, where someone wanted to um, gift a subscription to FabDB and Wrath Times to one of their friends for six months. Um, you know, it's not something I can support, you know, automatically. So being able to do that sort of stuff is. It's super cool. Um, you know, if you bought multiple subscriptions with people, you know, maybe offering, you know, larger discounts, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so for, for example, if you're, you know, working as part of a pro team or something together to kind of compete on a on the tournament stage, maybe you all want access to the subscriptions. And so maybe sort of one of you just pays for all of them and sort of I can just discounts in that way. So those sorts of features along with, you know, bringing the identity management together. So, you know, so Rattam to FabDB is all together. Um, is an important thing, but also <clears throat> there are other products I want to support in the future. Um, one of the other card games I really like playing is actually Digimon. I think it's a, just a, it's nowhere near as intense or as mentally draining as Flesh and Blood can be. Um, it's a lot of fun uh, setting up sort of combos and stuff you can do with the cards there. So I really want to support the Digimon thing. But um, again, there's more things going on in the Flesh and Blood space for me that uh, prevents me from doing that at this point in time. But um, with card tech being so invested in flesh and blood, you know, having spent the better part of two years of my life on on this, um, it stands to reason that I have to diversify into other products eventually just so I uh, mitigate risk with the uh, unlikely uh, event that flesh and blood sort of falls on its face at some point. Um, so just sort of managing that risk as well. So, but CardTech, you know, in sort of elevator pitch is a parent entity that um, sort of drives funding and everything for all these projects, but also helps manage them uh, from another perspective as well. 
uh, through identity and user accounts and that sort of thing. Like you mentioned that it's kind of like the glue uh, that, you know, yeah. it, it adheres a lot of these, uh, as you mentioned, FabDB, Wraith Times, and you mentioned other projects. And I'm really curious yeah. in terms of what those projects are. Are they underway? I know that's the case. So, you know, part of this, uh, the second part of this of this interview, of this discussion that we're going to have is going to be actually demoing the latest of uh, what CardTech has to offer, what what Kirk, yeah. you put together, uh, which I'm, I'm very, very excited to, to show people because I got to see it. I got to peruse around it. I know that it's at the moment it's in quote unquote beta. It's just it's just coming off the ground. But I do see the value in what that is going to be. And we'll, we'll, we can save that for last. I'm just curious to know yeah. what other projects um CarTech and and you specifically are going to be um, you know engaging in and working on. Yeah. So um, yeah, other than one, the one we'll talk about next, the immediate priority after that is to focus on the CarTech website and getting all of that, all the integration between the various projects uh, working together. Uh, that is a fairly huge piece uh, because there's a lot of uh, re-architecture and integration I need to do across all the projects that I'm working on. Um, so that's super important, <clears throat> getting that working. Um, and honestly, it's just going to be a breath of fresh air to move away from Patreon and stop having to manually manage uh, user accounts. Um, and you know, that's going to be beneficial, not just for me, but for end users as well. So currently when an, uh, you know, a user of FabDB, for example, uh, signs up on Patreon, they have to wait until I'm awake, I'm asleep to get <laughs> to their account and upgrade it. And you know, it's one of the first things I do in the morning. So uh, as soon as I wake up, I check the accounts. Patreon, if anyone's sort of signed up, then you're making sure they get on top of that. But it does mean sometimes, you know, users can be waiting up to 24 hours. You know, maybe I'm out and about doing things. Um, so How dare getting you? rid of that How frustration and dare making, you? It, making it instant is going to be a lot better. Um, one man so show. So getting on top of that. Uh, sorry? I was going to say you're a one-man show, and, and I, I know that because uh, – just you and I kind of coordinating times because right now it's December 21st for me and it's December 22nd for you. And, and we, we have this kind of this like five, four to five hour window where we kind of overlap mm. in terms of when we're able to collaborate and such. Yeah. Um, so I, I completely get yeah. it when you say that, like, you know, you wake up and you have this laundry list of people that need um, their you know, their accounts upgraded and, and stuff moved around. And what people need to understand, and that I really want to drive this home for everybody, is that, you know, you go to FabDB, you go to Wraith Times, you take care of this. And frankly, it looks like Wraith Times looks great. It looks professional. The content is exceptional. Um, but really, it's just you. Like, is it? Is it? are you just the one that's, that's you know, behind the scenes pulling the strings we're gonna get to the future projects because they're so cool but um like i i just i'm always in awe of what one person can create um not necessarily just from necessity but just from passion to begin with where you say that fabdb was just something you kind of did because you liked the game and you wanted to create it and then suddenly now that has spawned into this um to into uh wraith times card tech that kind of envelops it all and, and connects it all and now the future projects and what people don't understand is like you are essentially the lifeblood of what everybody relies on like that's a lot of pressure man and and you know i think that people need I, to understand that there's a lot of work that goes into it and a lot of it is on your shoulders oh yeah um so i want to correct you just a little bit there i mean i'm not flying solo completely i mean i'm i'm the sole developer for sure uh, but Wrath Times could not exist without uh, Alex Trell and the content creators, uh, or the content writers there. Um, like, I write the occasional article, but if it was just me writing articles like it was on FabDB, uh, it would happen very haphazardly. Um, and so, you know, 
you know, credit where credit's due. Like, Wrath Times cannot exist without the authors and without Alex Torell. So, you know, if those guys up and left tomorrow, uh, if, if and, and in all honesty, like if Alex left, I'd, I'd probably wouldn't have the energy to do Wrath Times. Uh, and finding someone to replace Alex, I think would be quite would be quite difficult. Um, and I've tried finding a, a partner developer who wants to get on board with me um, for for this ride. Um, I've had a couple people that I've sort of chatted to about it, um, but in all honesty, they just didn't want to put in the the you know the energy and time required without no pay, uh, which it wouldn't be. You know, I, I don't get paid for this, um, at least not yet. But in the future, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but you know, slowly but surely, FabDB, Raft Times. And Kardec are sort of developing a nest egg for sort of you know much larger projects in the future. Um, in which case, you know, hopefully I can start paying for developers to sort of work with me and so basically have you know full time developers on it, uh, which would be which would be amazing. Um, but we're still we're still a ways off that. I think Flesh and Blood probably needs to grow about two or three times before we sort of get to that point. Um, because at the moment, I think the current subscription base we have on Patreon is about what we're going to see. Um, and you know, until sort of the next sort of wave of growth of flesh and blood, uh, which I suspect is going to be a little bit slower over the next few years compared with the meteoric rise it's had over the last couple of rise, a couple of years. So, um, so we'll see. So yeah, so credit where credit's due. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm definitely not um, the only person on the ship, but I'm definitely the captain, sort of steering it, sort of where where I want it to go, <clears throat> where we're traveling. Um, but from a developer perspective, yeah, I'm, I'm the only one working on it. So. When you say captain, the first thing that maybe certain people might think of is, you know, like a captain on the ocean on a on a on a vessel. But to me, you are always going to be uh, ex- precisely. You are on the USS Enterprise. Um, are you a Star Trek fan? Out of curiosity, I haven't watched them all, but I am. I, I do like Star Trek. Uh, in fact, I I know it, this is a bit of a controversial opinion, but I actually really liked the recent Star Trek films. Um, I actually thought they were done really well uh, and sort of brought into the modern age. But, they weren't bad. Yeah. They honestly weren't bad. The way that a friend of mine referred to them is it's it's Star Trek if Star Trek was done as Star Wars. And I thought that that was a very yeah. – astute... Yeah, I think it's a really apt comparison. Very, very well. much so. Um, but I actually um, – last last year? Uh, maybe the – no, actually it was last year. I ended up ordering a stack of first edition Star Trek CCG uh, boxes because I found them online somewhere. And oh, the nostalgia hit home really hard. I was like, oh, I loved that game so much when I was in school. So I ended up buying, I think, about 12 boxes of it, and I haven't touched it since. But I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, there, there's these small pockets of the Star Trek community that actually play the CCG. Yeah. Uh, the, so I'll, by I'll Decipher? Get Was it? Yeah, Decipher. So there's a first and second edition. Uh, the first edition's got the white borders. Second edition, I think, has the black borders. And unfortunately, I didn't realize this when I bought them, but the second edition is the one that people mostly play, um, I think because there was a lot of uh, tightening around the rules and things that sort of made it a bit better to play. Uh, but those boxes are actually substantially more expensive, which is really interesting. So... Once yeah. I've got the money, I think I'll buy into second edition and, and start playing that. I bought uh, a lot of Star Wars CCG cards off of uh, somebody. They just basically, it was like, listen, 50 bucks. It's a gigantic box. I don't know what's in there. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm like, worst case is whatever. <laughs> but I found in there, mixed in, was about a, maybe 150 Star Trek CCG cards. And I was looking oh, through no. them. And I remember, I was like, wow. I'm like, I'm like, here's Worf. Here's like, I have like a, a Montgomery Scott. I've got it like an Enterprise. <laughs> I've got, a, you know, a Guinan, a Q and all this like, cool stuff. And I was looking through it. And then, uh haphazardly i decided to check on ebay and i ended up buying uh 
like a couple sealed packs from different sets and just just yep. to have them like they're still sealed they're still in like my little collection uh of yep. of like sealed product over the you know of all the games that i've ever you know encountered like uh, lord of the rings star wars star trek and whatever so it's just fascinating yep. that you mentioned that you have like 12 boxes stored away because uh finding sealed boxes of like you know the premiere set or whatnot over the first like uh, first set is like so fascinating to me mm. um that's that's awesome man uh but yeah, uh, future projects. Like there's there's one that I'm dying to to dig into, and yep. um, I think you know you could kind of tease us into it. Um, we're gonna get to that in the second feature. There's gonna be no go again uh, for this episode because we want to give you something better, uh, friends. We want to show you what the new project from Card Tech is from Kirk Bushell is. Um, again, you've got FabDB, you've got Wraith Times, and the new one is a uh, new one's called Techler Labs, uh, right. which is is a sort of data and statistical analysis tool um, to for all the cards and their performance in Flesh and Blood. Wonderful. So when we get back from the break, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to give you the first walkthrough. Kirk's going to kind of walk us through what Teclo Labs is, what it looks like, and the usage. Again, friends, uh, we'll be back right after this break from fabdb.net upgrade your account as kirk mentioned to get access to all the goodies such as sealed play and simulation and collection management and all that other wicked stuff we'll be back with kirk and teclo labs all right you've been hearing us talk about it all episode long fabdb.net why is it important well you heard it straight from kirk bushel's mouth uh, the creator of fabdb.net it is a tool to help you improve not just you know collection management theory crafting things of that nature this is what you want to be hooked up with when it comes to simulated sealed you know upgrade your account to the level that suits you to get exactly what you need is it collection management is it statistics based stuff who knows but go to fabdb.net check out all the cool tools that are there to help you out life counters sealed drafts Things of that nature, friends, you do not want to miss it. FabDB.net is your premier source for flesh and blood tools and resources. Bring your game to the next level by upgrading your account to a premium one, friends. And check it out. That's FabDB.net. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And again, usually this portion of the podcast is, uh, you know, put aside for a little go again action where we kind of grill our guests. But in this case, Kirk Bushell, the uh, the the big brains, the owner, director of CarTech, responsible for FabDB.net, Wraith Times, has brought the latest out of CarTech's arsenal of cool new stuff that we get to play with here. And he's going to walk us through, again, for the benefit of those who are not watching the video, you can go to uh, the 93 Media YouTube channel and check this out because we're actually, as we're speaking right now, we're going to be walking through the latest of Card Tech, which is Teclo Labs. So check the video, do yourself a favor, but we're going to walk through this uh, and, and we'll do our best here. Uh, Kirk's going to walk us through what Teclo Labs is. So the first thing is, uh, you mentioned, again, I'm just looking at this right now. It says data and analytical tools for flesh and blood TCG. So, I mean, that's self-explanatory, but talk, talk to us a little bit about the need, what Lab is looking to satisfy. What need is it out there to, to sort of nip in the bud? Yeah, so, I mean, first things first, this project has been on my mind for at least 12 months, maybe closer to 18 months, um, to provide 
you know, statistics around all the cards in Flesh and Blood, uh, how they're ranking, you know, how they place uh, in the meta, um, as well as sort of a stack of other different information. Uh, you know, one of the goals of this project is to provide a lot of information to effectively power users, um, you know, and power players who want to watch what is going on with the meta um, on, a, on the global stage and then see how they can sort of address that. But also similarly, just interesting to see, you know, some of the stats uh, and use uh, usage of these cards you know, alongside other cards. You know, their favorite heroes, that sort of thing. So, um, <clears throat> so there's that. Uh, and like I said, this has been something I've wanted to build for quite some time. Uh, in fact, the, the lead guy from uh, EDH Rec uh, approached me a few months ago to see if he could get a hold of the the Fab DB data to build effectively EDH Rec for um, for Flesh and Blood. Um, but I was, you know, very honest and open and transparent with him, just saying, "Hey, I'm I'm actually already working on something like this. Um, you know, we, we could probably work on this together." Uh, but that was, you know, uh, unfortunately, a, an opportunity that didn't work out either. I actually would have really liked to have worked with him because I think you know, his experience with EDH Rec um, and my experience, and sort of, you know, I, I personally think creating quite nice interfaces and, and applications um, could have been a really nice pairing for the project. But uh, unfortunately, he wasn't he wasn't interested in that. So um, the desire for a tool like this has certainly become um, greater, I would say, in recent months, probably during the last tournament season. Uh, and the reason for that is because I've had quite a few of users approach me and say, hey, you know, are you going to be doing anything like EDH rec? Or, you know, or you look on Reddit, you know, people asking, you know, where, where can I find an EDH rec for, for, for Flesh and Blood? So EDH rec itself is quite a huge website. Um, I, I won't share the stats that the, the owner shared with me because I don't know if that's public knowledge or not. Um, but yeah, he does really well with it. Uh, it's a very popular website within the MTG space. Uh, and so this serves to sort of provide a similar sort of service to EDHREC, but I'm hoping it does a lot more than what EDHREC does. Um, and hopefully we can sort of go through that and, and see that. But one thing I just want to posit right from the start to everybody listening is that this is beta uh, and it's quite bare bones uh, at the moment, but it does provide some sort of top level uh, analytics and statistics. Um, and, uh, but the engine powering all of this, which was where most of the work went into it to make it really performant, um, is now in place. So it's now just about sort of layering on features, um, you know, requirements and requests from the, from the user base. And also one thing I want to add is that for the most part, <clears throat> this is going to be completely free. So, uh, unlike raft times pro series access and unlike, um, the premium access and fab DB, uh, at the moment, there is no desire to monetize any of this. That said, however, um, the data that's being used on Techler Labs goes back four months. Uh, so the reason for that is I wanted to sort of provide, I guess, the, the most recent data information. And the reason for that is because if I did it for the whole 24 months of FabDB has been in existence, um, some of the stats and stuff that you see for some of the cards isn't as relevant as it would be uh, today. So there's, you know, for example, Katsu tracks quite, con and uh, Drinthia uh, tracks considerably higher on the rankings if I use the whole two uh, years rather than four months. So um, there is, I think, in the future going to be the ability to sort of uh, so have some subscription if you want to see the data going all the way back. Um, but for everyone else, uh, which is the, the data that I think is most important, it just tracks for the last four months. Right. Well, uh, I, I mean, the need for this is obviously there. There's definitely a thirst for, for data and analytics. I mean, I'm a sports fan, and uh, analytics <laughs> is essentially kind of the... the um, you know, there, there's kind of, it's kind of like the transition from the old guard, the dinosaur mentality of this is good because, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, definitely somebody who's into statistics and, and I love that kind of stuff, like data analytics, that kind of element, yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, having this integrated into cards kind of makes sense because you're essentially working with m much like a, 
uh, a blackjack player will use the you know mathematics and probability etc and card count like there's there's certain elements that you can use those types of of that type of analysis <clears throat> to improve your not just your gameplay but also your deck building um strategy so when it comes to techlo labs um what what are the features of what this site could offer somebody who wants to improve their game um you know furthermore because you could be a good player but how do you get that extra edge and oftentimes it comes down to just sheer numbers and again i mean i can start spewing sports analogies until my face turns blue but i want you to kind of walk us through a little bit about you know what this site is offering from that perspective yeah so there's a couple things there so on the statistical analysis side um i want to just you know, admit 100% honesty that I am not uh, a statistical analyst at all. So I've tried to do the best that I can with the data that I have <clears throat> using some, I think, logical uh, presumptions about how that data should be presented. However, uh, if anyone out there is uh, really, um, you know, skilled in statistical analysis, I'd really love some help on this, uh, you know, particularly on the algorithm side to kind of get things, get things where they need to be. There's some there's some funkiness there in some of the stats. Uh, I think it's potentially because of some bugs on FabDB, which I need to, which is sort of surface as a result of this, which I need to fix. Uh, but other than that, I think it's sort of heading in the right direction. So um, it says there here on the on the about page uh, for everyone who gets here that um, you know if you have any requests, uh, bug reports, or anything like that, please uh, you know basically please please let me know about all of that. So um, if you're an aspiring player and you wanted to take your game so that extra extra step. There's effectively two parts to any TCG, right? The first is the cards, their value, and their power. Uh, but then there's also the player skill. Um, so Techlo Labs effectively tries to remove the player skill from the picture by providing an overview in regards to how cards perform on a global stage. And the real way it does that is by doing some analysis on the data that we have, uh, both from a popularity perspective, which is basically all the decks on FabDB, versus the tournament scene, which is all the decks that you know, LSS publishes on their website. So let's say, for example, um, let's start with sort of the top cards and that sort of thing first. So we'll go to the, let's say, the popular cards first and, and show these off. So popular cards are just cards that are, you know, seen across all decks on FabDB. Uh, FabDB now uh, supports over 110,000 decks, uh, both public and private. And uh, so the stats uh, are, the, the, all these stats that come from that. Um, one thing should mind is that there is a little bit of give here in regards to the actual stats because, uh, you know, some decks may not be... Um, uh, you know, fully ready yet. They may be sort of moving and evolving. Uh, and so what I've tried to do is that so as, as decks evolve over time, they're effectively considered a new deck rather than uh, you know, an old one. So I've tried to sort of involve that <clears throat> in the statistical analysis. But you can see here um, uh, on the top right here, we have the format. The all format uh, supports all of the formats that FabDB supports. So uh, Blitz, Constructed, and Open. Um, open's you know, the more interesting one. You get some sort of really weird <laughs> stats out of this because the open format allows... Yeah, players to do whatever they want. So it's just really interesting to see how players are, you know, sort of playing around with the cards. You know, things shift around a bit. Uh, I see also, a, a Hope Merchant's Hood is like in yeah. the twelfth spot. I'm like, that's fascinating in terms of. But I mean, there's Deep Blue at number two, which is, I guess, given the open format in, in that that's going to include stuff like, I guess, draft and sealed, like right? Is that yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all, all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, so the open format. The open format was actually originally supported on FabDB to support players who wanted to do their own things. You know, maybe they've developed their own format. Uh, maybe they're sort of playing in uh, formats that aren't officially supported by LSS. In any case, it allows them to do whatever they want with their decks, uh, 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 except it still restricts it based on the um, 
hero that they've selected. So that's the only restriction on that. But other, other than that, it's it's fairly open. So you know, you can add all sorts of cards there that you wouldn't wouldn't normally be able to, which is which is pretty interesting. Um, and then you know, you've also got the, probably the most uh, important ones is sort of your blitz and constructed formats. Um, you know, we've just uh, gone through a heavy constructed uh, scene, so it's been uh, quite interesting seeing how things um, see how things place. Um, and then we're, we're, I think we're coming back into skirmish season with Blitz sort of taking the, the front seat again. So the, the most popular cards is important from the perspective that um, if you're playing more casually, I think the popular cards uh, rankings is going to give you a fairly good idea in regards to what you may come up against in your sort of your local scene. Um, that said, um, the, the, all the stats and stuff here isn't actually localized. It's not, it's not done by region. Um, there's no support for that um, on, on FabDB. And if I was to massage the data from the tournament decks on LSS, I could probably do that, but that's a lot of manual work. So you know, all of this stuff is, is pretty much automated uh, in terms of the data aggregation for Teclo Labs. Um, but you know, the most popular cards in constructed format is you know, number one is uh, Command & Conquer, uh, followed by Arcanite Skullcap, uh, and then you know, Fiendal Spring Tunic and going down. So I mean, and there's a fairly big gap here between Command & Conquer and Arcanite Skullcap, you know, Command & Conquer <clears throat> being seen in 22,000 decks on, on FabDB, so which is you know, I think about 20% of the, 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 a little bit less than 20% of the, the total uh, deck pool on, um, on Fabio Bay. So this is a lot there. Um, and then, you know, like I said, you can, you know, split it based on the format. Uh, if you go to all formats, it, it covers all of them. So the all, even though I'm supporting all, this is probably just has more value from a curiosity perspective, not so much uh, player impact. Right. Whereas Blitz and Constructed ones, I think is probably the ones that players are going to mostly um, support. Um, also, if you if you, you know, utilize this selector and I change to Blitz, come back over to top rate cards, it maintains that as well. So this actually applies when we get to seeing individual cards as well. It applies there as well. Uh, and it's a really interesting uh, filter and effect. So this is the one... Top ranked cards actually comes from the tournament scene. And so the available card pool or, or deck pool is actually substantially lower uh, for Blitz and Constructed. Uh, also, just you know, a reminder to everyone, this is over the last four months. So because Blitz hasn't been a, a sort of focus over the last four months, you'll see a lot less decks. Uh, and then sort of as Blitz shifts focus sort of over the next six months, um, you'll start to see these stats sort of change considerably um, as that happens. Uh, whereas, you know, if we look at, uh, the constructed one, um, there's substantially more decks. There. So there's 187 decks from the tournament scene over the last four months featuring Command and Conquer, uh, 165 decks for featuring Arcanite Skullcap, and then 130 decks involving Light and Strike. Um, this little number here is an, uh, ranking value that I've given the cards based on the algorithm I've developed for Tekla Labs, which I will not be sharing. Uh, I might share it at, a, at another point. And the reason for that is, you know, the, uh, unlike FabDB, where its value and IP is in the tools that I'm building there, with Tech Labs, it's actually in how I'm sort of piling this data together and sort of providing that ranking. So um, smart users will probably be able to figure this out, um, you know, more power to them. But I wanted to provide this so that you can sort of see how it's being ordered. So it's not actually ordered by the number of decks. It's ordered by this um, this this ranking here, which I will say, though, that the total number of decks that uh, utilizes this card actually is actually involved in the algorithm. So, okay. Uh, but you know, going down the going down the path here, and this shows the top fifty. So, you know, Command and Conquer's first, Arcanite Skullcap second, and Light and Strike third, uh, Plunder on fourth. This is probably not a surprise to anyone. Uh, and then, sort of as we go, go down the path, you, know, you might see some surprising things like Gorgonian Tome, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Briar, yeah. <laughs> obviously being one of the, the top competing. <laughs> I was about uh, to say at the moment. 
this yeah. looks like a, a deck list for a, a, a Briar constructed list, but I mean that makes sense <laughs> given the fact that Briar has essentially just been dominating, um, the, you know, like the the ranked scene, the, the tournament scene for a long time. So, um, yeah. w- what I'm curious about over here, just real quick, if you could scroll back to the top here, is so right now we're looking at top ranked cards in constructed format, and by ranked cards that means what. Uh, what has essentially been printed by LSS uh, on their web, uh, uh, on like yeah. fab, tcg.com uh, in terms yeah. of what they have essentially identified as this is a uh, a deck that has placed in a major tournament and we are featuring it. So you compile that data and this is what you're looking at here. However, what you mentioned here is like you see the Command and Conquer in the first place, uh, in first place, Skullcap and Light and Strike. Obviously, these are all powerful cards, but you're like you said, it's not, it doesn't necessarily just want to clarify, it doesn't mean that this is these are the cards that appear in the most decks, that there's an algorithm that you've essentially compiled that gives the card a, a rating, and that is how it is ordered one through in this case 50. Yeah. So um, I mean it shows you can see it's the, the number of decks that a card uh is involved in does have an impact on the rating. So despite the fact it's not ordered by that, it does as you can see there's actually a um a descending order here on actually the number of decks. But at some point, yeah, so you see this one, Time Snap Potion has 76 decks, whereas Rosetta Thorn has 96 decks. Uh, but it's rated slightly lower. And that's because Time Snap Potion seems to have a slightly larger impact on the scene rather than Rosetta Thorn. And so therefore it's rated slightly higher um, for that. So yeah, I've tried to I, I tried ordering by um, you know, sort of average rating for these cards or the average results in the top eight placement. Um, that resulted in some really weird things. Like for example, there were some cards there that um, had placed first. Uh, and so we would have been right at the top of the ranking, but they were actually only seen in one deck, uh, which was really interesting, right? So uh, it was a really interesting stat. But if I was to take that sort of outlier and put that number one, it just didn't, there was something that didn't feel right about sort of uh, arranging the stats in that way. So a little bit of massaging, a little bit of an algorithm there to make it uh, position quite well. But yeah, so it's it's ordered by the ranking or the rating that I've, that I've given it. So um, and like I said, like I don't claim that this is 100% accurate yet. So you know, like I said, if there's any stat- statisticians out there that can help me here, um, sort of steer me in the right direction, I have talked to a few people about this to get it right. Um, it, it, I'm not entirely convinced it's 100% yet. So that's why it's still in beta. There's, there's some things here that I think we sort of need to massage and get right. But I think it's sort of heading in the right direction based on sort of what I know about the competitive scene and how things are performing. So, um, so it's, I mean, yeah, I think it's in the right direction. Ultimately, the algorithm that you've essentially put together, and to a certain degree, there's some subjectivity in terms of how you're weighing yes. or how much weight you're at, you're you're attributing to certain variables and how these these metrics yep. are essentially compiled. Um, yeah, correct. The other uh, the other question I have regarding Techlo Labs. First of all, this is very fascinating this is definitely something um you know we've had uh people like matt cosmore on uh the podcast in the past who has been responsible for a lot of uh you know data related uh and, and graphical representation of metas and such like that this is goes deeper than just hero based meta and and you know conversion <clears throat> rates at tournaments etc this goes down into the nitty-gritty yeah. of the cards and not just how many times they're played but how the impact of them what is yes the ultimate goal that you see like what is the pie in the sky uh uh not just usage of techlo labs but what are you trying to accomplish with something like this what would be the ideal um you know f- quote unquote final form of what techlo labs would look like <laughs> uh well yeah i mean like all applications it doesn't really have a final form but i will say this if i can get to a point where I can develop a deck automatically that places quite well. By the way, this is not a feature that I would uh, support or publish. But if I could personally see if I could build a deck based on the stats automatically to sort of produce a, quite a, a um, 
high performing deck, that would be the part in the sky because that would show me that Tech Labs is actually doing what I need it to do, uh, which is show how cards are performing on the on the meta and and how things how things are going that way. So that would be the ideal sort of um, uh, sort of feather in the cap that Tech Labs is preventing the presenting the data in a way that is that actually has value and importance. Um, but in reality, um, the feature that I really wanted to build um, sort of beyond this is a um, like a recommendation engine for when you're building decks, particularly for new players. So if you're you know, you've selected um, you know, Viserai as a hero and you sort of add a couple of weapons, but you're not really sure where to go from there. Um, the recommendation engine would provide you sort of some uh, cards based on, I don't know if I do it on the top ranked cards, potentially probably the, po- the most popular cards. There is definitely some crossover between those two, so it would work relatively well. Um, but, you know, sort of giving players, I think, sort of top ranked cards as a recommendation engine, um, although would be useful, I-, I think it sort of takes away some of the creative element um, from players. So sort of offering them popular cards and what cards are sort of seen alongside the cards they've already chosen um, in terms of ranking, um, sort of suggesting them to them. So, you know, the, the, the end result of Tech Labs is actually to be able to provide a recommendation engine for FabDB so that it can it, um, really empowers the deck builder for basically new players and, and medium players. Say, so, you know, hey, oh, hey, you know, I've got these um, 38 cards in Blitz. I'm not really sure what to add, you know, recommend me a card that maybe I could utilize. And then, you know, Tech Labs would recommend a card that may may be useful in that circumstance based on all of the data that it has. So that would be absolutely amazing. But for me personally, um, I just want to see how decks perform, uh, decks and cards perform. I want to see, you know, uh, Davis Kingsley, uh, Tower Number 9, he has a really cool blog. Uh, he writes for Wrath Times as well. Uh, he does a heap of statistical analysis, combines a whole stack of stuff together for the community. He does a really amazing job. And I've reached out to him a number of times to say, hey, what can I do to make your job easier so that you can do the analysis but make it easier for you to do so um so if i can provide those sorts of toolings for those sorts of players that want to sort of report on that thing that's really where tech labs is heading and that's what i want to do how often is this going to be upgraded you say that right now these this snapshot that we're looking at right now is from a you know four month window let's say is yep. that um that window is it kind of like a, a moving uh, you know window of four months that will constantly be up up updated on the you know every single day minus you know yeah. going back four months is that so it's like a rolling yeah. four month window yeah so you'll actually see because i'm not updating the data daily at the moment sorry excuse me um i'll probably update the data every week or so uh, or every fortnight because the um one, it doesn't need to shift that quickly, but also two, um, you know, LSS only provides sort of updates for their deck list sort of you know every so often, once a week or whatever. So um, being um, updating it daily doesn't make any sense. But you will see sort of a stats shift because what happens is you know we change to a new day, the four-month window changes by a day, and so the stats change slightly on every card uh, every day um, based on that because it's, it's not getting any, any extra data every day, but um, you know the, the window is shifting. So... So we'll be constantly be shifting um, day to day, but the the goal is to update the data sort of every week or every fortnight based on new data from FabDB and new data from uh, LSS as well. Well, And also in the future, I want to provide financial uh, financial market information on cards as well. So um, you know, it's all about data and analysis on Tech Labs. Yeah, and I love it. And that's definitely there's certainly a thirst for that kind of um, you know something for people to dive into. Uh, uh, My my last question regarding Tech Labs before you can kind of uh, wheel us out and show us, I guess uh, you know. Again, like you said, this is—it's kind of in its infancy in terms of what this can do right now. Yep. As you mentioned, it's—it's it's a work in progress. Um, but would there ever be a situation, for example, like you mentioned, like there's there's 
uh, right now you said like the ideal at one point would be something like okay i you know i just want to i have i have two slots left in a blitz deck and i want to know what mm. you know is popular so you kind of search yeah. it up would there ever be kind of a customizationable option let's say where let's say you were playing um uh, let's say you're playing Bolton and you just say, you know what, I, I want to know. So you can, you can kind of say, all right, what are the most popular cards for, you know, select hero, you know, Bolton select weapon, uh, sabers. Yep. And then it gives you, all right, if you're using Bolton with sabers, these are the most popular cards that are associated to that particular hero. Is that something that's down the line in terms of how nitty gritty this is going to get, or is it more of a global sna- snapshot of the entire game as a whole? Yeah, so let's let me let's go to Bolton and have a look and see what that tells us. Um, so the, the short answer is yes. So the recommendation would allow you to filter the cards based on sort of what you're looking for. So if you're looking for a, a non-attack action, or you want a weapon, or you're looking for a piece of equipment, um, uh, or if you just want to you know you just want to be recommended whatever because you're not really sure, um, that'd be open to that. So if you look at Bolton over the, the last four months, um, he's not ranked particularly high, <laughs> which is probably no surprise to anyone. Uh, he's ranked 182nd out of out of 1,200 cards, effectively. Um, popularity, 266, and he's found in 4.3% of constructed decks. However, out of those 4.3% constructed decks, uh, via the Vanguard is the top is the top ranked and, and top utilized. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't say top ranked, the most paired. Um, so when you see Bolton uh, in a deck, you're most likely to see uh, first via the Vanguard and then uh, Lumer Ascension in, in that regard. So, um, so that's pretty interesting, right? So, uh, and you've got a couple of things here. So you've got, uh, uh, attack action, you've got a non-attack action, attack action. So again, if you want, or an attack reaction here, beacon of, beacon of victory. Um, if you're looking for an attack reaction that maybe you just want some ideas, um, then the recommendation will be utilized for that. And to be honest, the technology to be able to support a recommendation is already there. I mean, that's effectively what you're looking at here is, you know, sort of the, the top head cards and that sort of thing. Um, and then if we sort of click on these, one of these cards, say via the Vanguard, uh, it'll take us to a slightly different page, uh, whereby it shows again, the most paired cards with this, which is actually interestingly, um, you know, sort of Luminar Ascension, which is also shown under Bolton, uh, but then also the favorite hero as a user. So interestingly, Shiana tends to use this from time to time. Um, but you know, this, this will all go into the recommendation engine. So the, 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 tech, the technology to support the engine is already there. I just need to build it on the FabDB side to, to be able to do that. So um, yeah, really interesting, really exciting time. And then you've got these little stats as well. So sort of average top eight results. So one thing to, this is one of those things that I think I need statistician help from. So this is just an average of the placements from, uh, Bolton when Bolton places in the top eight. So of the times that Bolton places in the top eight, his average result is actually 3.3. Um, and to be honest, it doesn't say there, maybe I should say how many decks have actually placed there, but you know, it could only be two or three decks, right? So it's a bit of a weirdness. So there's potential that I should potentially, you know, sort of compare that with uh, other decks um, and what that might look like, but we'll see. Right. Uh, like I said, you'll see some cards. The average top eight result is one because it only ever placed once. Yeah, right, and it was sort of placed first as well. So it's kind of a weird, uh, weird thing. But so they're sort of the stats and things that I need to work on to get it to make it a bit more of an accurate representation. Which is why, <clears throat> again, on the top ranked cards. Um, the, the, they have a special ranking that I've associated with them because otherwise you're going to get this weird, you get some weird sort of statistical uh, representation, which doesn't make any sense. Um, so I think I need to do that similarly with um, with these other cards as well. It's um, an old uh, YouTuber trick of uh, you go 3-0 and or 2-0 and with a, a deck and then you post the YouTube video saying 100% win rate. Uh, that's undefeated, kind of yeah. an undefeated <laughs> deck. Cool. Yeah, never been, never lost in in you know in the top ranks and and whatnot. So uh, this is uh, quite quite honestly a, a very very useful tool again for those who go 
well beyond the surface of cards and utilization. Like you said, you just you dig deeper than just the the pitch cost, the cost to play, and the actual stats on the card and the game text. Like this is just uh, for for myself a nerd's dream when it comes down to actually. Uh, you know, trying to figure out what is missing, what the pieces are that you may have. And and in terms of, yeah. uh, you know, player skill level, the advanced player is going to want to know this, but the also the moderate to average player is going to want to look into maybe fill in in terms of some of the, um, you know, some of the missing pieces that they may have uh, in terms of, of decks, et cetera. Techno yeah. Labs is, is really damn cool. Yeah, I, I think as well. Thank you. Um, it's, it. I actually... I had my first week off from work and told myself I would never actually check into Slack, which I do all the time. I, I manage an engineering team of 13 engineers uh, globally uh, as part of my day job. And so it's the first time, I think in about seven or eight years that I've had time off and I haven't actually checked into work to see what's going on. So what did I do? I went and built Tech Labs <laughs> over that week. So, um, well, actually, more importantly, I built the engine to power Tech Labs and then sort of built the interface and stuff over the last few weeks. Uh, to get it to go but um there's a lot of things coming to the project uh, for example I, I think the heroes need a lot more information i'd love to see you know the, the number one weapon paired with that uh hero i'd love to see sort of representation of their top eight placements over time um i think that'll be super cool yeah no doubt you'll see briar with a stack of sort of placements there um so it'd be good to see i think sort of average placement week by week maybe um, those sorts of things. Um, also sort of average card breakdown, such as, you know, how many uh, actions are you seeing? How many attack actions are you seeing? How many weapons or equipment do you see as part of their deck? You know, that sort of stuff. Um, also, uh, the data and the, the background for Tech Labs also has all the sideboarding information for cards. Not for the tournament scene, unfortunately, because that isn't available. Um, but for the uh, popular cards, at least, um, you'll be able to see also... Uh, sort of, you know, how often they're sideboarded, for example. Like, for example, Null Rune, I presume, would probably be one of the highest, uh, you know, the sort of Null Rune set would be one of the highest uh, sideboarded cards. But, you know, there's going to be other important stuff there for, for heroes. So, you know, being able to see the most sideboarded cards for heroes, I think, would be super interesting. Um, and again, you know, much like FabDB and my development of that, a lot of the stuff that I'm building here is just really interesting stats that I, that I personally want to see. I want to see how things are performing. I want to see, you know, what gets paired with what, all sorts of things. Um, it helps me to keep a sort of a tab on the scene, which I'm... Unfortunately, I just don't get to. I don't get the time to play. Uh, you know, the my focus for me has become card tech and FabDB and Raft Times and Tech Labs, and so the time availability to play games is fairly low, unfortunately. Um, but this helps me sort of keep a tab on things as well, um, which is really interesting. That's wonderful. Uh, and there's things that I've, you know, been watching for a while and sort of had a gut feeling about, but haven't been able to quantify exactly sort of what that looks like. And and now I can. I, I need you to just go back to that Briar page really quick because I'm going to just oh, yeah. toss toss out a quick lesson to everyone who's out there. I want to tell everyone a little bit why statistics can be misleading. Because if you look at the Briar page, what does it say in average top eight result? 5.2. Yeah. So when we look back at Bolton, it was at 3.3, .3, right, in terms of like the average top eight results. So in, in reality, you're thinking about it, it's like, okay, Bolton is places better than Briar. But when uh, we all but know, yes, because all the Briars are beaten up on each other in the top eight, <laughs> so. Exactly, so this is actually a misleading stat in that respect, so that's sort of an outlier. So actually, if I have multiple Briar, Warden of Thorns placing in the top eight, one's first, one's fourth, one's eight, it should probably say first for that event rather than, you know, sort of five and eight. And in, in this case, it's actually uh, taking into account all the Briar placements, which is actually right. not not accurate. Yes. So there's always a little grain of salt that we have to have when we come, uh, you know, when we digesting yeah. these statistics. But frankly, this is this this website in itself, again, is going to make an excellent kind of 
uh, companion piece to Wrath Times and to FabDB. I think Techlo Labs uh, is its own uh, wonderful entity that I can't wait to to see flourish. And the other question yeah. would be, I suppose, again, this is kind of like our first look and our first walkthrough. Some uh, mm. very limited amount, a limited amount of people have seen this and be able to walk through it. When is Techlo Labs going to be available for people to uh, start to peruse and start to to go ahead and explore? Uh, this, uh, I mean, it, it's it's already live, but it's officially launching today when this video goes live. So, um, yeah, so it's been quite exciting to share this and share everybody to this. Um, patrons have had some limited access to it um, over the last last few days, but for everybody else, yeah, it's it's going to be available. So, well, congratulations again to you, Kirk Bushel, again, uh, and m much thanks because you mentioned it that you don't get much time to play the games, but you have contributed to the flesh and blood community in uh, an enormous way. But I do recommend everybody to come and check the video, which is going to be available on YouTube uh, if you're not watching it there already, because we just took a nice little stroll through techlolabs.com. And now's the time. Go check out techlolabs.com, the latest addition to the card tech family of flesh and blood resources. Kirk, thank you so much for doing this, for showing us Techlo Labs, and for continuing your, your hard work and your efforts to keep this community um, you know, well-equipped to handle what uh, is, you know, always growing demands for high-level play when it comes to cards. Mm. And from the the from Wrath.com, uh, WrathTimes.com, having exceptional content and insights and wisdom from pros to FabDB having the best tools in terms of deck building and collection management, as well as now Techlo Labs. Thank you. Thank you very much again for- uh, No, thank you. Thanks uh, for having me on as well. Oh, Appreciate it. You're very welcome. And again, I know that you're you're always a busy guy. And I always ask people who are on the show that if there's any way to potentially reach out, because you have you have asked on the show, you know, if there's people who, who can contribute and who can mm. perhaps uh, add to, um, you know, the accuracy, add layers to what you're working on. If they wanted to get in touch with you or reach out, is there any... The, What's the best way, perhaps, to to you know uh, reach out to Kirk? I mean, there's a stack of methods, but probably the best approach is to join the Cartech Discord. Um, you can find the Discord link at the bottom of all of our websites, uh, FabDB, um, <clears throat> Rath Times, and you know, soon to be Tech Labs as well. Um, and then yeah, it's the best way to start a conversation as well. So you know, yeah, if, if you are a statistician or um, you're you want to. Um, Sort of reach out and help it in some way. That's 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 great. You know, I've I've got a few people helping out at FabDB, where it's just you know just making sure that the data is you know accurate. For example, a couple of guys working on um, sort of the text and the printings and that sort of stuff. So that that all comes in. Like I said, like you know, I'm, I'm a sole developer, but I'm not I'm not flying completely solo. Well, I just do the vast vast majority of the work. <laughs> <laughs> and you do a good job. So thank you again, Kirk Bushel, Thanks, for man. being on the show, ladies and gentlemen. That is another episode of the Instant Speed podcast. Uh, we are kind of up in the air in terms of what's going to happen next week. I will be away. I might record something for you guys, but in the meantime, you guys can just re-listen to this one because this was a pretty nifty episode. Friends, thanks again for listening to the Instant Speed podcast. Don't forget, you are not losing if you're learning, friends, so keep shuffling the cards in play. You might win. We'll see you uh, soon. Uh, TBD. Adios, friends. <laughs>